So I said that this morning we're wrapping up our series on living by faith. And there is one more crucial topic that we need to address, which is what we're covering this morning about living by faith. And it's the question, how do we grow in loving others? How do we love? How do we get stronger in in loving the people around us? And this is a crucial topic because Jesus commanded us in John 13, verses 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you all sort of love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So it's a commandment that he gives to us. So Jesus has stood before each of us and he said, love others, love them. So think about how you're doing in that. Think about people in your life that Jesus calls you to love. Husbands, think about your wife. Wives, think about your husband. Think about your good friends. Parents, think about your children. Children, think about your parents. Think about your extended family members, brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, aunts. Think about those in your home group, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about those you know here who don't know Christ, next door neighbors, people at your workplace. So think about those in your life. How are you doing in loving them? Loving them means you care about them. It means you seek to find out what are their needs. How could I help? It means you serve them. You put them before yourself. You lay your life down for them in a a manner of speaking. You love them. Okay, so how are we doing in loving each other? And I would guess if we're honest, we'd all admit, I need to do better. Okay? And we all do. And that's what I want to have us think about this morning. How do we become more loving? What do we do to love more? It's not enough just to say, love people more. The Bible tells us how. How do we do this? And one of the clearest passages I have seen to tell us how is in Galatians chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. Let's go ahead and turn there. Galatians chapter 5, three verses, 4, 5, and 6. So turn there. Here's some background to this book. Paul wrote this letter to churches that were in Galatia. Now, Galatia is today uh, mostly like Turkey. It would have taken up a, a large part of Turkey. That's where Galatia was. And Paul had traveled through Galatia preaching the gospel. Many had come to faith in Christ, and churches had been established and were thriving. Then Paul left, went on to other missionary journeys, and sadly, some false teachers came into these churches. And these false teachers said, yes, salvation, everything we need is in Christ, yes. But you don't receive Christ and all of his benefits by faith. You don't receive it by faith. You receive it by obedience. Obey, and you'll receive Christ and all of his benefits. And tragically, many of those in these churches in Galatia were deceived by this false teaching. And so Paul wrote this letter to correct the false teaching. 
And that's what he says here in verses 4 through 6. And in correcting this false teaching, he helps us understand how to grow in loving other people. Look at what he says. Start with verse 4. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now, in these verses, Paul is telling us how we can receive the salvation that can be ours in Jesus Christ. How do we receive it? That's what he's answering. So before we look at how, think about all that we have in Christ. I mean, just think about this. We have forgiveness for all of our sins in Jesus Christ. We celebrated that earlier with communion. We have justification in Christ. Even though we have remaining sin, we can be clothed with Jesus' perfect moral righteousness. So God the Father sees us as perfectly morally righteous and delights in us and loves us as if we were perfectly morally righteous. Justification. In Christ, we can receive a brand new heart which loves God has power over sin, delights in seeking the Lord. We have the heart-filling joy of knowing Christ, worshiping Him, communing with Him, fellowshipping with Him. We have the hope of the resurrection from the dead. We have the certainty of eternal life. And the list just goes on and on. So there's all this that we have in Jesus Christ. The question is, how do we receive that? How? Paul tells us in verses 4 through 6. Start with verse 4. Let's go back through verse by verse. Verse 4. Paul says, You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. So now these, these false teachers were from a Jewish background. And they said that the, the way to be receiving, the way to receive justification from Christ, the way to be justified was not by faith. It was by obedience. And because their background was Jewish, they were emphasizing circumcision, keeping the Sabbath, don't eat any pork. And so lots of these new believers in Galatia, like I said, were being deceived by this false teaching. And so they, they stopped trusting Christ and started putting their effort into not eating any bacon and being circumcised and, and celebrating the, the Sabbath. So they were deceived by this false teaching. But Paul says very shocking words. If we try to receive from Christ by obedience instead of by faith, we've been severed from Christ, cut off from Christ. We have fallen from grace. Now, let me just have you think about this. I don't want to assume that we're all like in agreement on that. Ask yourself, do you lean into Jesus Christ, trusting him, relying on him, depending upon him? Do you know him? Do you fellowship with him? Do you commune with him? In other words, do you have faith? Or is it just, well, I go to church on Fridays and I, I don't swear and work hard at my job? See, if, if that's what you're relying on to receive from Christ, Paul would say with tears in his eyes, you've been severed from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Please, no one here be in that place. Hear this message loud and clear. 
Now look at what Paul says in verse 5. He says, for it's through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Now notice that phrase, eagerly wait for. If you're eagerly waiting for something, it's because it's wonderful, first of all. It's out in the future, it's wonderful, and you know it's yours. Right? So you're eagerly waiting for it. And so what Paul's talking about here is how we can be assured, certain, that we will be counted righteous at the final judgment before God. How can we know that he will look at us and say, you are righteous in Christ? How can we be assured of that? How do we eagerly wait for that? That's the question. And Paul says it's through the Spirit. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give us assurance, supernatural assurance that we're saved, we're forgiven, we're loved, we're righteous in Christ. He will bear witness with our spirits that we're children of God, like Paul says in Romans chapter 8. Now, how do we receive this assuring work of the Holy Spirit? Notice the next words in verse 5. It's through the Spirit by what? By faith. Not by obedience. It's by faith. That's how. By turning to Christ and trusting Him. Now, let me connect verse 5 here with what we have seen. It's been a theme verse through this whole series. John chapter 6, verse 35. I hope you're memorizing this verse. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me, there's faith, will never thirst. Coming to Jesus, believing in him, all different ways of describing faith. Turning our hearts towards Christ and leaning on him. Now let me again, one more time, give our illustration of what we've talked about here. Jesus is saying in this verse, we're all hungry. We have heart hungers. For joy, for assurance that our eternity is good, for life, for meaning, for pleasure. We all have heart hungers. And because our sin is blinding us, all we can see that's going to satisfy our hungers is these little moldy, dried up scraps of, of sin here. And maybe this is like, you know, like work, work isn't sin, but you can seek your heart hungers to be satisfied in work, or maybe like popularity over here, or food over here, or, or money over here, okay? And so this is all we can see because of our sin, and so we're hungry, and we're relying on, on these little things to satisfy our heart hunger. But these never do. I mean, this is not going to satisfy you. Look at this. This is just really wimpy, okay? It's not going to satisfy you. But then God opens your eyes, and you see all that we have in Jesus Christ. Okay. If you can't see that far, this is a lot of bread. This is a whole lot of bread. Okay, so here you are. You're hungry, and it's like, see, compare this with this. There's just no comparison, right? And so you see all that you have in Christ. You have forgiveness of sins in Christ. And here you have justification in Christ. And there's, there's comfort and, and there's provision and there's, there's strength. And, and all that we need is, is in Christ. Now, how do we receive all of this? That's the question. It's not by obeying more. How do we receive this? Thank you. It's faith, okay? Very important lesson. So we turn to Christ as we are. Even if you're battling sin, even if there's lust in your heart or there's greed in your heart, we can turn to him as we are because of the cross and say, help me. 
right? And we, we trust him and we lean into him. And as we open up the scriptures and see who Jesus Christ is as revealed in God's word and as we trust him, as we talk with him, as we thank him, as we depend upon him, one of the things that will happen is that the Holy Spirit will give you assurance. You will feel in your heart by an outpouring of God's love, you are forgiven. You are accepted. You are righteous in Christ. When you stand before God in that final day, he's going to say, you are righteous in Christ. Welcome home. And you can be completely assured of that so that by the Spirit, through faith, you're eagerly waiting for the hope of righteousness. Verse 5, do you see that? So that's what Paul's talking about here in verse 5 of Galatians. Let's read it again. Through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Okay, then, to make sure we really understand this, he puts it in different words, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, that's obedience, counts for anything, but only, here's what counts, faith working through love. So the way to receive all that we have in Christ is not, okay, i got to go out and get circumcised. That counts for nothing. The only way to receive all that we have in Christ is by faith. But Paul wants to make sure we understand what faith is. And so he says, faith works through love. This is really important. Faith works through love. Four words. I hope you underline those words in your Bible and you think deeply about those words. The faith that assures us by the Holy Spirit, the faith that gives us all that we have in Christ is not just a, an agreeing with certain doctrines in the Bible and, and which leaves your heart cold and unchanged. It's not just agreeing with doctrines while your heart stays cold and distant from God. That's not faith. What faith is, is it sees the truth of Jesus in the scriptures, it trusts the truth of Jesus, you lean on Jesus, you depend upon Jesus, and what will happen as you do that is we will so feel and see and know the reality of Jesus Christ that our hearts will become filled and then will overflow with love for other people. Faith works through love. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking that Paul is saying we're saved by loving others. We're all kind of wired to, okay, I, get, I need to go out and be more loving, and then I'll be accepted. That's not what he said. How are we accepted? By faith. How are we assured of salvation? By how do we receive all that Christ is for us? It's by, but we know we have faith if we are coming to Jesus, opening up the scriptures, seeing who he is, loving him, depending on him, trusting him, leaning in on him. That's faith, because when that happens, our hearts will be filled and we will overflow with love for other people. Verse 6 is one of the clearest verses in the Bible on where love comes from. So let's just camp there right now for the rest of our time and ask the next question, where does love come from? And again, Paul says it comes from where? Faith. Love comes from faith. Faith works through love. Love doesn't just spring up by itself. Love results, love results from faith. Love has its origins in faith. Love comes from faith. It's the result of faith. There's a cause-effect relationship between faith and love. Here's how a Bible scholar, F.F. F. Bruce, put it. 
for many years. He taught at the University of Manchester in the UK. And here's what he said, commenting on this verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. He says, in, in regards to those last four words, faith works through love. He said, faith is viewed as the root, love as the fruit. Oh, if we could learn this, church, this could be explosively powerful in our lives. Faith is viewed as the root, love as the fruit. So think about a plant which bears fruit. You got a root and you got fruit, okay? If the, if the root is there, there will be fruit, right? If there's fruit, it's because the root is working. The root's getting nutrients from the soil and water from the soil and sending it up the stem and, and then fruit starts to be born. So when faith is working, love is coming. There's a cause-effect relationship between faith and love. Do you see that? That's what's true in our hearts as well. Faith is the root and love is the fruit. So when we have faith, when we are depending upon Jesus Christ, bringing all of our heart hungers to him, relying on him, pressing into him, he will so meet us and satisfy us and fill our hearts that we will overflow with the fruit of love. That's how it works. Now, if there's no fruit of love, if our hearts are empty, frustrated, bitter, if we're impatient, if we're withdrawing, if we're frustrated, if there's no fruit of love, what does that show? There's no faith, right? Because there's a cause-effect relationship with, with faith. Now, let me go back to our bread illustration to illustrate this. Okay, here we are. We have heart hungers, Joy, meaning, life, peace, assurance for, for heaven, knowing that we're forgiven, knowing our, our guilt is gone. We have all these heart hungers in us. Apart from Christ, all we can find to satisfy us is these little measly, dried up, moldy scraps of, of stuff out there, right? Cars and, and popularity and, you know, entertainment and here's some vacations. Okay, just the stuff like that, which, by the way, these things aren't necessarily bad to to enjoy, but if we seek our joy in these things, we will be disappointed, right? God can bless us with a good lasagna meal, for example, all right? I love lasagna, but if, if we seek our heart fullness in food, it will disappoint us, and it'll be sin. That's how it works, right? Okay, let me back up. So here we are, hungry, and all, we, all we've been depending on is, is these things over here, but see, if we depend upon these, they don't satisfy, and our hearts are empty, and we're left disappointed, we're left frustrated, we're left impatient, angry, bitter, right? And there's no love. That's what happens. But when we turn back to Christ, everything changes because we see who he is as revealed in the word and we come to him and we receive from him. Like, for example, we receive comfort from his forgiveness. Our hearts are just comforted. We're forgiven, right? Our hearts are secured in knowing his love for us. The King of kings and the Lord of lords loves you. That's security, isn't it? We have peace in his promises, right? We have hope as we think about heaven. We have joy as we behold him and fellowship with him and, and experience his presence. That's what happens when we turn to Christ. We're filled, and when our hearts are filled, full hearts overflow in love for others. Whenever your heart gets filled up with comfort in the Lord, peace in the Lord, joy, peace, assurance, you flood in love for others. Let me try a different illustration, see if this maybe is more helpful. John Piper talks about how we are like 
weather systems. Any meteorologists here? I'm not, so if I get this wrong, please forgive me. But I think this is probably right. But he says, whenever there's a high-pressure system building up in one area, it will make wind that will flow into the low-pressure system somewhere else. Is that right? Okay, some of you said yes. All right, I'll, I'll take your word for it. So when we turn to Jesus Christ and lean into him, see who he is in the word, trust who he is in the word, thank him, depend upon him, rely on him, our hearts become filled. There's comfort, there's peace, there's security, and our hearts get filled up and we become a high-pressure system. And whenever we find a low-pressure system of somebody who's in need, we want to flow out with love to care for them, to help them, to serve them. High-pressure systems, when your heart is full in the Lord, you will flow out in love for other people. Now, let me tell you how I experienced this when I was like seven or eight years old, okay? See if this helps. It was summer vacation. We were all sitting around the dinner table, my mom, my dad, and uh, four kids. And my dad, with his twinkle in his eye, said, I have a very important announcement to make. Tomorrow, we're going to Disneyland. Now, Disneyland is a big deal in the U.S. and in France, right? Where else is there Disneyland? Anyway, okay. So it's a big deal. It's a, it's a theme park. And so I was so excited. We were all yelling and screaming. All the kids were jumping up and down in our seats. I was thinking about visiting Tom Sawyer's Island and Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and all the, the Matterhorn and all these rides. I was really excited about it. And, and I just blurted out all of a sudden. I said, I'm going to do the dishes tonight. I was shocked. They were really shocked. I never said that before. Why did I say that? I was just so happy and so full. I just, I wanted to do the, the most loving thing I could possibly think of and do the dish. My mom says, are you sure? Anyway, but see, that's how it works. That's how faith works through love. Now, don't miss the point. I did not say that the way to become more loving is to plan more trips to Disneyland. Okay, let's make sure we're clear on that. Disneyland is this compared to Jesus. Are we clear? Okay, but it's a good illustration of how when our hearts are full, we flow out in love towards other people. Okay, now at this point, you might be thinking, okay, a lot of illustrations. I'm a little skeptical, though. Does this really work in real life? Does this work in real life? And the answer is yes. And let me give you an illustration from the Bible itself. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34. It's a shocking illustration of how faith can so fill our hearts that we gladly sacrifice in costly ways for others. Here's, here's the background of the story. Late first century A.D., there was oftentimes when persecution broke out against followers of Christ. And the church to whom this letter was written, the letter to the Hebrews, the church to whom they were written, had some members who were identified as Christians and had been arrested. And if you were a Christian, you could be arrested. Um, you could, I mean, mobs could rise up and, and plunder your house and the government wouldn't even care if, if, if it was because you were a Christian. And, and some of these believers at that church it had become known they were Christians, and they'd been arrested and thrown into jail. Now, the problem with that is that the other believers knew that jails at that time did not provide any food, did not provide any water, did not provide any blankets to keep you warm from the biting cold. 
And so the brothers and sisters who were not in jail knew that unless they took food, water, blankets, if they, unless they took what was needed to their brothers and sisters in jail, they would be in deep trouble. And yet if they went to the jail with blankets and what was needed, they'd be identified as followers of Christ. You see the problem. What would you do if that happened here in Abu Dhabi? What would you do? What did they do? Look at verse 34. This is amazing. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Why? Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. What did they do? They had compassion on their brothers and sisters in prison. And risking their own imprisonment, risking their households, their cars, their chariots, whatever, their clothes or possessions, they went to the prison and took their brothers and sisters what they needed. And in the course of doing that, they were identified as Christians. And a mob got wind of it and plundered the homes and the possessions of some of them. And they joyfully accept it. Why? Very powerful last line. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. They had a better possession. What is that better possession? It's Jesus Christ. All they had in Christ. Like Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. They've got comfort in Christ. They have forgiveness in Christ. They have his presence in their lives. They have his promise of eternity with Christ. Their futures are secure in Christ. They know that forever they'll be full of joy in God's presence in Christ. They have a better possession and an abiding possession in Christ. See, they weren't relying for their heart hungers on these scraps of houses or furniture or cars. They weren't relying on those for their heart hungers. They were relying on, on Christ. And they knew that their future was secure in Christ, that at this presence, present time, he would fill them. They, they knew that they had a better possession in Christ and a lasting possession in Christ. And they said, for the sake of love, for the sake of Christ, like Martin Luther's song, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, his kingdom is forever, right? Let it go. I have Jesus to live as Christ, to die as gain. My future is looking good. That's what was in their hearts. So this is a real life illustration of how faith works through love. Faith. They had turned, they'd been turning to Christ relying on him for their heart hungers, receiving from him by faith alone, relying on him, depending on him, trusting him. They're getting, getting comfort and forgiveness of sins. They're, they're assured of their justification. They're assured that God's going to say, you are righteous, welcome home. Right? They've got the peace that passes understanding. God says, I'm going to provide all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. They just, and it all came by, by faith. They're trusting Christ. And as they're trusting Christ, their hearts are filled. They're so full. They have a better possession, and abiding when they said, let's go. Let's go help our brothers and sisters out. Who cares what happens? Look at what we have. Let's go. 
See, that's how love works. Now, how might that look in our lives, Grace Church? I just try to think of some concrete examples. But think about it. When we see and feel that Christ is our better and abiding possession, when our hearts are full, we're enjoying Him and secured in Him, we'd be free to give some of our spare time to drive a brother or a sister to go pick up their car when it's been serviced. Right? That might seem like a small thing, but it's time. Right? <laughs> Look what I've got! Let's go! Right? Okay? Or... When we see and feel that we have a better and abiding possession in Christ, then if we're tired or we've been busy, we would still make the effort to go to our home group to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ. How are you doing? How's your week been? How can I pray for you? We, we, we gather together here Friday mornings, put out the effort to be here because we, we want to say, how are you? How are you doing? How can I pray for you? That's how it works. When we see that we have a better and abiding possession, we're free. There's, we're a high-pressure system, and then there's the overflow of love to others. When we see and feel that Jesus is our better and abiding possession, husbands, we will love our wives. We will care about them. We will have compassion toward them. We will ask them, how are you? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? What can I do for you? Husbands, we will serve and bless and care for our wives because we're, we're high-pressure systems flowing to low-pressure systems of love. And wives, you'll, you'll love your husband. You'll ask, how are you? You'll cheer your husband on. You'll be encouraging your husband. You'll be respecting your husband. You'll love and care for your husband. You'll bless your husband because you're a high-pressure system flowing out. Okay? So I hope you see, one more time, where does love come from? If love is the fruit, what is the root? Faith. So this isn't just, okay, I've got to be more loving. No! That is not what I'm talking about at all. You can't be more loving in yourself. But you can come to Jesus as you are. We can all do that. We can say, help me. I'm empty, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm frustrated, I'm fearful, I'm worried, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged. Help me. And he's just, he's got open arms saying, I'm glad you came, right? Let's talk. Pour out your soul before me. Here's my promises. Here's who I am. Let's fellowship. Your heart will fill, 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 and then love will flow. When we see and feel that we have Jesus as our better and abiding possession, we might be so full Let's take some of our vacation time and go to Greece to care for Syrian refugees. Let's do that for part of our vacation time. Do you love it? Powerful? We'll, we'll gladly take the risk, and it can be some risk, of sharing our testimonies with people here who don't know Christ. We want to do it wisely. We don't want to proselytize. We want to honor the laws of the land. But we are free to share what's happened in our own lives, humbly, not in a pushy way at all, because we're full. Our, our futures are secure. Our futures are set in Christ. We have a better and an abiding possession. Humbly, wisely, take the risk. You, you will never regret it. Never regret it. When we see that we have a better and abiding possession in Jesus Christ, 
Dads, you'll take your kids to the park, right, instead of watching the football game, maybe. Or maybe you can do both, but, you know, you got to say it, okay? Moms, you'll put down the phone to, to play with your little one, right? Because your heart's full. Your heart's full. You're already full. You'll overflow. When we see and feel that Jesus is our better and abiding possession, we will feel this thrill about the doors of ministry that are going to open when we make the move to Masafa and the, the ways we can bless those laborers there, those, those workers there, many of them who simply can't afford to come here, to come to the Weston. Expensive taxi ride. But oh, we can bless them and we'll be so blessed in blessing them. Listen, valet parking is over here. Let's not make the mistake, okay? This is valet parking at the Weston. Valet parking at the Weston is not part of this package here. Are we all clear? This is a nice cushy building at the Weston and all the other stuff we have with the coffee and everything else. Do you, do you see how this works? Love is the fruit. Faith is the root. We can't just start loving on our own. Our empty hearts just won't work. But we can come to Jesus by faith and say, help me, fill me, comfort me, strengthen me, satisfy me. And as you open up the word, study who Jesus is, trust his promises, worship who he is, what he's done, what he promises to be and to do, your heart will fill, high-pressure system, and love will flow. So one last question. How do I become more loving? The answer is faith. You might say, well, I'm a Christian. I have faith. Beautiful. Okay? But faith isn't just something you had back then. Faith is something you need to have now. Faith, you need to come to Jesus. Come to him with your empty heart again and again and again and receive from him. So uh, let me urge you I know many of you are already doing this, some of you maybe not yet, but let me urge you to do all you can to get time first thing in the morning, bringing your empty heart to the Lord, opening up the scriptures, meeting Jesus Christ in the truth of his word. Do all you can to do that. I mean, why head into the day with an empty heart? You're just asking for trouble, right? Get filled up ahead of time. Just like if your car is on empty, you're going to hit the gas station while you're driving into work, right? Your heart's empty. Get filled up on, before you head off to work. Yes, it means getting up earlier, which means going to bed earlier, all that stuff. But listen, you can meet with the living Jesus tomorrow morning. You can meet with the one who loved you and gave himself up for you. You can meet with the one who promises that he will provide everything you need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You'll meet with the one who is the bread of life, who when we come to him, we will never hunger or thirst again. You can meet with Jesus Christ tomorrow morning in the word and have your heart get filled up. Why would you not do that? Are you kidding me? Where else are you going to go? Here? Do you see that? Oh, let Satan just take the blinders off of you so you see, I got Jesus or I got this. It's not rocket science, okay? It's not complicated. And so let me encourage you, do all you can to get time with the Lord in the morning. Your wife will not know what happened. 
Your husband will not know what happened. Your work associates will scratch their heads. Your kids will say, wow, all right? Your parents will say, wow, okay? That's what will take place. So first thing in the morning, meet the Lord in the Word. And then throughout the day, whenever heart hungers come back, as soon as you can, Jesus, help me. Just take a little snack, maybe Galatians 2.20. You loved me and you gave yourself up for me. Thank you. Maybe 1 Peter 3. You bore my sins in your body on the cross so I could be brought to God. Oh, thank you. Just get a little snacks during the day when you get hungry, okay? And then get filled back up, filled back up, filled back up. That's what I want to call us to do. So love is the fruit. What is the root? Faith. Faith working through love. Let's grow in faith by feeding on the Lord, letting him fill us, and then overflow in love to everyone around us this week. Now let's stand together. If some guys could take this table off, that'd be great. Thank you. Father, I pray that you'd work in each of our hearts. Simple message. Faith working through love. But oh, what a life-changing reality this is and will be. I pray, Lord, that this week, each of us could have rich time with you, if at all possible, first thing in the morning, to open up your word, to see who you are, to trust you, to pour our souls out before you, to give you all of our fears and concerns, and to receive your peace and your comfort and your forgiveness and your strength afresh so our hearts can be filled so that we will head into the day loving. Loving. And then that throughout the day as our hearts become empty, we can turn back to you and pour our souls out before you and ask you for help and read snippets of your word and get filled up again. Thank you, Lord, that you so fill us that we can love as we come to you in faith. So pour this out upon us, I pray in Jesus' name.